0: Basic Anatomy and Pathophysiology, by Dr. Peter Lang.
1: I'm Peter Lang, I'm a cardiologist at Children's Hospital Boston, and today we're gonna discuss Tetralogy of Fallot. What we're gonna talk about is some understanding of what Tetralogy of Fallot is, and some of the ways of understanding the anatomy, the pathology, and the treatment. These are ideas that have developed over decades here uh, in Boston and will be um, I hope to show you the approach that has worked for us different strategies develop in different institutions but this will give you an idea of one set of ideas that has been effective over the years. Anatomy Tetralogy of fellow what most of you will hear in textbooks is the four parts that make up Tetralogy of Fallot or four pieces of pathology. And the four are that there is a ventricular septal defect, that there is pulmonary stenosis, that there is an overriding aorta, and the fourth is that there is right ventricular hypertrophy. And the first thing that I want to do is show you that... um, these four points are actually one. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the four things that fellow described. He described a ventricular septal defect, which in truth is one type of ventricular septal defect. It's an anterior malalignment type. It's a VSD that's always in the same position um, that doesn't close spontaneously. There's pulmonary stenosis, uh, which is obstruction to blood flow from the right ventricle to the pulmonary artery. It's usually under the pulmonary valve, but it's very, very variable, overriding aorta. And this is uh, based on the malalignment of the ventricular septal defect. The aorta overrides the ventricular septum. And then because of the obstruction for blood leaving the right ventricle the right and the big VSD, the right ventricle works at high pressure, so there's right ventricular hypertrophy.
0: Point of clarification. Pulmonary stenosis in Tetralogy of Fallot may involve stenosis of the pulmonary valve, but it can also potentially involve stenosis of the distal pulmonary artery. The degree of stenosis varies in patients based on their individual anatomy.
1: Now, the the first thing I want to do is say that... uh, Conceptually, there really aren't four parts of Tetralogy of Fallot, but there's one part. I learned from Richard Van Prague, who's a cardiologist and a terrific um, cardiac uh, pathologist. Let me draw you a very simple heart. and. This is oversimplified. We've got a right ventricle. Coming into the right ventricle is a tricuspid valve, leaving it as a pulmonary artery which branches into a right and left side. The muscular part of the ventricular septum, the outflow portion of the ventricular septum, a left ventricle, mitral valve coming into the left ventricle, and the aorta. So let me tell you that this portion up here of the ventricular septum we're gonna call the conal septum and the first concept I want to make is that there's really one thing that makes Tetralogy of Fallot and that is when there is a malalignment between the conal septum and the rest of the ventricular septum everything else follows. So the conal septum instead of coming in here, we're gonna get rid of it and I'm just gonna remove the pulmonary artery for a moment and remove the lower part of the aorta for a moment and I'm going to take the conal septum and I'm going to bring it over here. And so it is malaligned with the rest of the ventricular septum. And this is going to be rightward and it's going to be anterior and it's going to be superior. And when this happens, there is a ventricular septal defect. It's big and it's not going to close spontaneously. What happens then is the pulmonary artery and the pulmonary outflow tract is squeezed between this conal septum and what's going to be the right ventricular free wall. And so we're going to have the VSD, which is our first part of tetralogy of fellow, and we're going to have the subpulmonary narrowing, which is the second part of tetralogy of fellow. And the aorta is going to override the septum because it's going to be coming over this way, and instead of being closed by a ventricular septum in the normal position, it's going to appear to override the ventricular septum, and sometimes it actually will move quite rightward. And then finally, so that's the third part of Tetralogy of Fallot, and the last part has to do with right ventricular muscle, which is going to hypertrophy because the there is systemic pressure in the right ventricle because there's a huge VSD and the pressure equalizes on both sides. And so tetralogy of Fallot has the four components which, t- which uh, Fallot talked about, but there really is one primary etiologic anatomic problem and that is, once again, the malalignment of the conal septum with the rest of the ventricular septum because it's anterior superior and to the right. You get your VSD, you get your subpulmonary stenosis, you get your overriding aorta, and the right ventricular hypertrophy follows suit. So that's Tetralogy of Fallot.
0: Pathology.
1: Now, Tetralogy is the most common form of cyanotic congenital heart disease that we see. There's a little distinction. It's not the most common form of cyanotic congenital heart disease that we see in newborns because not all kids with tetralogy present with cyanosis. And so transposition of the great arteries is the most common form of cyanotic congenital heart disease that present in the newborn period, but tetralogy is the most common form of cyanotic congenital heart disease, period. varies a lot in its presentation its time of presentation and what and, and and that all follows from the anatomy so let's take this example that i drew for you i'll get rid of the numbers and what we've got here is a right ventricle a left ventricle we have our vsd we have our narrowing under the pulmonary valve under the pulmonary artery and we have our aorta now If this pathway out of the right ventricle, from here to the pulmonary artery, is not all that narrow, then at birth, what's this kid going to be like? Well, this kid is going to have right ventricular blood is going to come in from the right atrium and it's going to go to the pulmonary artery. Left ventricular blood is going to come in from the left atrium and it's going to go to the aorta. And if blood is sort of staying on its own side, then this kid maybe look normal as a newborn because there is pink blood going to the aorta, there's blue blood going off to the pulmonary arteries, and there may not be much shunting in either direction. Kid may have a little bit of murmur because murmur because there's turbulence here. But this would be a kid with Tetralogy of Fallot who is not necessarily cyanotic, has enough pulmonary blood flow, um, and things are pretty good. And this would be a kid who has sort of a balanced circulation, one of the things that we'd say. So let me just jump ahead to show you the two extremes, and then we'll come back and look in a little bit more detail in both. Let's say that tetralogy of fallow that there was very little malalignment of the conal septum. I'm going to move, get the pulmonary artery a little bit bigger, get the aorta sort of closer to where it wants to be, and what I'm going to say then is this is our circulation where we do have a malalignment ventricular septal defect but not very much malalignment. When this kid is born, just like any child with a big ventricular septal defect, pulmonary resistance and systemic arterial resistance is about equal, so we have a balanced circulation. But then over the course of the first weeks to months of life, pulmonary resistance drops and it's easier for a piece for blood to go to the pulmonary arteries than to go to the body. And so right Atrial blood goes through the right ventricle and comes up across this essentially unobstructed right ventricular tract, goes to the pulmonary artery. Left atrial blood returning from the lungs goes across the mitral valve, left ventricle goes to the aorta. But if the blood is here and the pulmonary resistance is lower than the systemic arterial resistance, you might in fact have more blood shunting from left to right, and so a very mild form of tetralogy of fallow might act like a kid with a ventricular septal defect. The kid is pink because the only blood that's going to the aorta is fully saturated blood. The child may actually, in rare instances, but can go into congestive heart failure because there's so much pulmonary blood flow. So this would be a child with so-called pink tetralogy of fallow because they don't have arterial desaturation, can have congestive heart failure, and that's their initial presentation. They will mimic somebody with a ventricular septal defect.
0: In cases of tetralogy of fallow with mild pulmonary stenosis, the patient may initially maintain normal oxygen saturations. However, over time the degree of subpulmonary obstruction will progress and eventually cause oxygen saturations to fall thus it is important to note that patients with mild tetralogy of fallot will become cyanotic with time if the defect is not repaired
1: let's just leave that alone for a while and let's take the opposite extreme let's instead of having very little malalignment Let's have an awful lot of malalignment. Let's get rid of this and move our conal septum way over here. And we have a tiny little right ventricular outflow tract. So what happens in that case? Child is born, blood comes from the right atrium into the right ventricle and has a very hard time Going to the pulmonary artery because there's a lot of obstruction, and so a little bit goes that way. But the majority of the desaturated blood coming from the systemic venous atrium, the right atrium goes across the tricuspid valve, most of it goes off and goes into the aorta. What blood does come, does go to the pulmonary artery, comes back to the left atrium, gets saturated full of oxygen and comes through mitral valve, left ventricle, aorta, but it's mixed, this saturated blood mixes with desaturated blood, and we end up with desaturation. So fully saturated blood would have 95% saturation coming from the left atrium. So we have some of that, but then we've got a lot of blood with, let's say, 65% saturation, and so this, the when you put these two together you might have blood with 80% saturation the child is cyanotic looks blue there may be a lot of a loud murmur from this obstruction and so this would be an example of a kid with tetralogy of fallot moderate to severe obstruction does not present like the other kid in congestive heart failure and is pink but presents desaturated looks blue, has a loud murmur. If we take that example one little step further and malalign this ventricular septal defect all the way over, so in fact we end up with the most severe form of tetralogy of fellow, tetralogy of fellow with pulmonary atresia. When a child like that is born, what happens? Well, the kid when this child is born and there is no antigrade pulmonary blood flow, well since there is likely to be a ductus arteriosus, though not everybody has one, pulmonary blood flow is not going to come from the right ventricular outflow tract. It's all occluded. All of the blood that comes into the right atrium, right ventricle goes across the malalignment VSD. All of the pulmonary venous return comes from the left atrium, mitral valve, left ventricle, aorta. And where does blood come out of, how does the 95% saturation blood get to the left atrium? Well, it comes from the pulmonary veins, comes from the pulmonary artery, but it's only the blood that enters the pulmonary artery from either a PDA or perhaps a collateral. So. If the child is dependent on the PDA for pulmonary blood flow, then early on, some 95% blood, some 65% blood starts out, 80% blood. The ductus will close over the course of the first days of life. There is less 95% blood. So a smaller proportion of 95% blood, still the 65% blood, and the saturation goes down and down, and you start getting into trouble.
0: Severe tetralogy of Fallot with pulmonary atresia can often have complex arrangement of the pulmonary arteries. Management of patients with this condition is beyond the scope of this talk as it requires more complex planning for surgical repair depending upon the patient's specific pulmonary artery anatomy.
1: So, we have I think I've just gone through three ways that kids can present with tetralogy of fellow. One, not very interesting, they're pink, they may have a bit of a murmur, they're not going to be sick as newborns. Two, moderate, modest degree of pulmonary stenosis well-balanced circulation, relatively pink, stable, get a little bit worse, more pulmonary stenosis but still adequate pulmonary blood flow, you're doing okay. And then finally, the most severe form of tetralogy of fellow, tetralogy of fellow with pulmonary atresia, where you're dependent on alternative means of getting blood flow to your lungs, a ductus or aortic to pulmonary artery collaterals, where you can present quite blue as a newborn, and get bluer in a hurry if you're dependent on a ductus arteriosus, and that ductus closes. So those, that, that's the broad sweep of Tetralogy of fellow. What's the matter, that is, what's the matter anatomically, and how it is very variable.
0: Please help us improve the content by providing us with some feedback. Tetralogy of Fallot, Basic Anatomy and Pathophysiology, by Dr. Peter Lang.
1: I'm Peter Lang. I'm a cardiologist at Children's Hospital Boston, and today we're going to discuss Tetralogy of Fallot. What we're going to talk about is some understanding of what Tetralogy of Fallot is and some of the ways of understanding the anatomy, the pathology, and the treatment These are ideas that have developed over decades here uh, in Boston and will be, um, I hope to show you the approach that has worked for us. Different strategies develop in different institutions, but this will give you an idea of one set of ideas that has been effective over the years. Anatomy. Tetralogy of Fallot what most of you will hear in textbooks is the four parts that make up Tetralogy of Fallot, or four pieces of pathology. And the four are that there is a ventricular septal defect, that there is pulmonary stenosis, that there is an overriding aorta, and the fourth is that there's right ventricular hypertrophy. And the first thing that I want to do is show you that um, these four points are actually one, um, but let's talk a little bit about the four things that fellow described. He described a ventricular septal defect, which in truth is one type of ventricular septal defect. It's an anterior malalignment type. It's a VSD that's always in the same position um, that doesn't close spontaneously. There's pulmonary stenosis, uh, which is obstruction to blood flow from the right ventricle to the pulmonary artery. It's usually under the pulmonary valve, but it's very, very variable, overriding aorta. And this is uh, based on the malalignment of the ventricular septal defect. The aorta overrides the ventricular septum. And then because of the obstruction for blood leaving the right ventricle the right, and the big VSD, the right ventricle works at high pressure, so there's right ventricular hypertrophy.
0: Point of clarification. Pulmonary stenosis in Tetralogy of Fallot may involve stenosis of the pulmonary valve, but it can also potentially involve stenosis of the distal pulmonary artery. The degree of stenosis varies in patients based on their individual anatomy.
1: Now, the the first thing I want to do is say that... uh, Conceptually, there really aren't four parts of Tetralogy of Fallot, but there's one part. I learned from Richard Van Praag, who's a cardiologist and a terrific um, cardiac uh, pathologist. Let me draw you a very simple heart. and. This is oversimplified. We've got a right ventricle. Coming into the right ventricle is a tricuspid valve, leaving it as a pulmonary artery which branches into a right and left side. The muscular part of the ventricular septum, the outflow portion of the ventricular septum, a left ventricle, mitral valve coming into the left ventricle, and the aorta. So let me Tell you that this portion up here of the ventricular septum we're going to call the conal septum and the first concept I want to make is that there's really one thing that makes Tetralogy of Fallot and that is when there is a malalignment between the conal septum and the rest of the ventricular septum everything else follows so the conal septum instead of coming in here we're going to get rid of it and I'm just going to remove the pulmonary artery for a moment and remove the lower part of the aorta for a moment, and I'm going to take the conal septum and I'm going to bring it over here. And so it is malaligned with the rest of the ventricular septum. And this is going to be rightward, and it's going to be anterior, and it's going to be superior. And when this happens, there is a ventricular septal defect. It's big and it's not going to close spontaneously. What happens then is the pulmonary artery and the pulmonary outflow tract is squeezed between this conal septum and what's going to be the right ventricular free wall. And so we're going to have the VSD, which is our first part of tetralogy of fellow, and we're going to have the subpulmonary narrowing, which is the second part of tetralogy of fellow. And the aorta is going to override the septum because it's going to be coming over this way, and instead of being closed by a ventricular septum in the normal position, it's going to appear to override the ventricular septum, and sometimes it actually will move quite rightward. And then finally, so that's the third part of Tetralogy of Fallot, and the last part has to do with right ventricular muscle, which is going to hypertrophy because the there is systemic pressure in the right ventricle because there's a huge VSD and the pressure equalizes on both sides. And so Tetralogy of Fallot has the four components which, which Fallot talked about, but there really is one primary etiologic, anatomic problem, and that is, once again, the malalignment of the conal septum with the rest of the ventricular septum. Because it's anterior, superior, and to the right, you get your VSD, you get your subpulmonary stenosis, you get your overriding aorta, and the right ventricular hypertrophy follows suit. So, that's tetralogy of Fallot.
0: Pathology.
1: Now, tetralogy is the most common form of cyanotic congenital heart disease that we see. There's a little distinction. It's not the most common form of cyanotic congenital heart disease that we see in newborns because not all kids with tetralogy present with cyanosis. And so transposition of the great arteries is the most common form of cyanotic congenital heart disease that present in the newborn period, but tetralogy is the most common form of cyanotic congenital heart disease, period. varies a lot in its presentation its time of presentation and what and, and and that all follows from the anatomy so let's take this example that i drew for you i'll get rid of the numbers and what we've got here is a right ventricle a left ventricle we have our vsd we have our narrowing under the pulmonary valve under the pulmonary artery and we have our aorta now If this pathway out of the right ventricle from here to the pulmonary artery is not all that narrow, then at birth what's this kid going to be like? Well, this kid is going to have right ventricular blood is going to come in from the right atrium and it's going to go to the pulmonary artery. Left ventricular blood is going to come in from the left atrium and it's going to go to the aorta. And if blood is sort of staying on its own side, then this kid may be, look normal as a newborn because there is pink blood going to the aorta, there's blue blood going off to the pulmonary arteries, and there may not be much shunting in either direction. kid may have a little bit of murmur because murmur because there's turbulence here, But this would be a kid with Tetralogy of Fallot who is not necessarily cyanotic, has enough pulmonary blood flow, um, and things are pretty good. And this would be a kid who has sort of a balanced circulation, one of the things that we'd say. So let me just jump ahead to show you the two extremes and then we'll come back and look in a little more detail in both. Let's say that tetralogy of fallow that there was very little malalignment of the conal septum. I'm going to move, get the pulmonary artery a little bit bigger, get the aorta sort of closer to where it wants to be, and what I'm going to say then is this is our circulation where we do have a malalignment ventricular septal defect but not very much malalignment. When this kid is born, just like any child with a big ventricular septal defect, pulmonary resistance and systemic arterial resistance is about equal, so we have a balanced circulation. But then, over the course of the first weeks to months of life, pulmonary resistance drops and it's easier for a piece for blood to go to the pulmonary arteries than to go to the body. And so right Atrial blood goes through the right ventricle and comes up across this essentially unobstructed right ventricular tract, goes to the pulmonary artery. Left atrial blood returning from the lungs goes across the mitral valve, left ventricle goes to the aorta, but if the blood is here and the pulmonary resistance is lower than the systemic arterial resistance, you might in fact have more blood shunting from left to right, and so a very mild form of tetralogy of phallo might act like a kid with a ventricular septal defect. The kid is pink because the only blood that's going to the aorta is fully saturated blood. The child may actually, in rare instances, but can go into congestive heart failure because there's so much pulmonary blood flow. So this would be a child with so-called pink tetralogy of fellow because they don't have arterial desaturation, can have congestive heart failure, and that's their initial presentation. They will mimic somebody with a ventricular septal defect.
0: In cases of tetralogy of fellow with mild pulmonary stenosis, the patient may initially maintain normal oxygen saturations. However, over time the degree of subpulmonary obstruction will progress and eventually cause oxygen saturations to fall thus it is important to note that patients with mild tetralogy of fallot will become cyanotic with time if the defect is not repaired
1: let's just leave that alone for a while and let's take the opposite extreme let's instead of having very little malalignment let's have an awful lot of malalignment. Let's get rid of this and move our conal septum way over here, and we have a tiny little right ventricular outflow tract. So what happens in that case? Child is born, blood comes from the right atrium into the right ventricle, and has a very hard time going to the pulmonary artery because there's a lot of obstruction and so a little bit goes that away, but the majority of the desaturated blood coming from the systemic venous atrium, the right atrium goes across the tricuspid valve, most of it goes off and goes into the aorta. What blood does come, does go to the pulmonary artery, comes back to the left atrium, gets saturated full of oxygen, and comes through mitral valve, left ventricle, aorta, but it's mixed, this saturated blood mixes with desaturated blood, and we end up with desaturation. So fully saturated blood would have 95% saturation coming from the left atrium. So we have some of that, but then we've got a lot of blood with, let's say, 65% saturation, and so this, the when you put these two together you might have blood with 80% saturation the child is cyanotic looks blue there may be a lot of a loud murmur from this obstruction and so this would be an example of a kid with tetralogy of fallot moderate to severe obstruction does not present like the other kid in congestive heart failure and is pink but presents desaturated looks blue, has a loud murmur. If we take that example one little step further and malalign this ventricular septal defect all the way over, so in fact we end up with the most severe form of tetralogy of fellow, tetralogy of fellow with pulmonary atresia. When a child like that is born, what happens? Well, the kid when this child is born and there is no antegrade pulmonary blood flow, well, since there is likely to be a ductus arteriosus, though not everybody has one, pulmonary blood flow is not going to come from the right ventricular outflow tract. It's all occluded. All of the blood that comes into the right atrium, right ventricle goes across the malalignment VSD. All of the pulmonary venous return comes from the left atrium, mitral valve, left ventricle, aorta. And where does blood come out of, how does the 95% saturation blood get to the left atrium? Well, it comes from the pulmonary veins, comes from the pulmonary artery, but it's only the blood that enters the pulmonary artery from either a PDA or perhaps a collateral. So. If the child is dependent on the PDA for pulmonary blood flow, then early on, some 95% blood, some 65% blood starts out, 80% blood. The ductus will close over the course of the first days of life. There is less 95% blood, So a smaller proportion of 95% blood, still the 65% blood, and the saturation goes down and down, and you start getting into trouble.
0: Severe tetralogy of Fallot with pulmonary atresia can often have complex arrangement of the pulmonary arteries. Management of patients with this condition is beyond the scope of this talk as it requires more complex planning for surgical repair depending upon the patient's specific pulmonary artery anatomy.
1: So, we have I think I've just gone through three ways that kids can present with tetralogy of fellow. One, not very interesting they're pink, they may have a bit of a murmur, they're not going to be sick as newborns. Two, moderate, modest degree of pulmonary stenosis well-balanced circulation, relatively pink, stable, get a little bit worse, more pulmonary stenosis but still adequate pulmonary blood flow, you're doing okay, and then finally the most severe form of Tetralogy of Fallot, Tetralogy of Fallot with pulmonary atresia, where you're dependent on alternative means of getting blood flow to your lungs, a ductus or aortic to pulmonary artery collaterals, where you can present quite blue as a newborn and get bluer in a hurry if you're dependent on a ductus arteriosus and that ductus closes. So those, that, that's the broad sweep of Tetralogy of fellow. what's the matter, that is, what's the matter anatomically, and how it is very variable.